Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. As those of you who have been here this month know, we're using Pam Grout's book, E Squared, for putting some of the science back into the idea of the science of mind. In particular, she's using some, she calls them energy experiments, but I guess I think of them more as metaphysical experiments in a way. And and through their use, we can prove to ourselves, first of all, that spiritual principles work. And we can also prove um, that that connection to our higher power, whatever you think of it, is uh, both existing and strong in your life. So we've been having some fun. I want to start by actually recapping really quickly, though, the principle that we learned last week that she called the abracadabra principle. Uh, And you'll see why in a second. So just to recap from last week, the abracadabra principle basically says that that which we focus on, that which we put our oomph and our attentions on, will increase, will get bigger, will be more evident in the world. And I want to use a, an, an example. Let's say that you wanted to uh, maybe have a new job, and not just a job this time, maybe, but something really striking and fabulous, something that meets all of your needs. What she would say is, first, we need to define what it is. We need to put our attention and, and our intentions into what it is we want to receive. So we build kind of like a mental equivalent of where it would be, what it would be like, what benefits it would have, well, how it would feel going to work every day, how, how uh, we would be treated there, how our skills would be used. And as we, we began really fleshing out in our own mind what that experience of the new job would be like, the abracadabra principle kicks in. It starts highlighting in the newspaper maybe uh, job applications or people begin noticing that what kind of job we're interested in and mention, oh, did you know that such and such a company is hiring? It's the, the whole idea of putting energy around what you want and a clear idea of it out in the universe and then the universe will do its part to bring it to you. And so then when you go for the job interview, right, you actually get the job because the hiring person goes, wow, she just seems to fit here. And the reason you just seem to fit there is you've already imagined it. You've already had that sense of it. It's already part of who you are. And so, of course, you're the one that gets hired. So that's the way the abracadabra principle works. The first principle we're going to talk about today is the superhero principle. And I think what you'll discover is that it's simply abracadabra but focused on yourself. So abracadabra is, out in the world, we're going to have some changes that reflect what we're thinking or what we're imagining. The superhero principle says, why limit it to the outside world? What about me? Have you ever known someone that had a superpower? Now, maybe not like Batman or Superman, but have you known someone that maybe was intrinsically lovable? Someone who, when they walk in the room, it's like suddenly there's right at kind of a circle around them. Have you known someone that just has, a, I don't know whether you want to call it char- charisma or, or just that ability to draw people to them? Or have you known someone, uh, this was said of my uncle, that anything he touched turned to gold. 
Have you known someone that just always has to see new business ventures and new ideas and people willing to fund them that they're just magically, it seems like, drawn to them? This is the superhero principle. And I got to tell you, it's lingering in all of us. Each one of us has superpowers, if you will, that we're just unfamiliar with, that we just haven't tapped into yet. And so the idea of the, the superhero principle is let us awaken it. And it works the same way as abracadabra. First of all, if you wanted to imagine the perfect job, now you have to imagine the perfect you, right? Because it's you that you want to change. You want to become more charismatic or, or, or you want to become more loving or you want to become the person that everyone wants to fund or collaborate with or, or whatever it is. You begin picturing a new mental equivalent of who you are and that's what awakens your superpowers. That allows you then to begin taking the steps and begin noticing the intentions that will guide you there. And I want to, want to give you an example example. Uh, so I remember, gosh, it's almost exactly 10 years ago, the senior minister at that time, uh, Reverend Lynn, came to me and said, um, so have you considered maybe ministerial school? Uh, and as a relatively new practitioner, I went, well, no. <laughs> in fact, I couldn't even, not only could I not imagine myself in ministerial school, but I certainly couldn't imagine myself as actually a minister. And if you would have quizzed me, my rational brain would have given you a list of at least 35 different things that would disqualify me from it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, don't even bother to fill out the application, right? <laughs> But I started thinking about it a little more, and what I realized was I could begin taking steps in that direction. And even though I didn't know anything about this idea of the, the superhero uh, principle, I did very much like it. I started thinking about myself and not thinking about where I had flaws, but rather what my strengths were. I started thinking about how actually the things that I perceived as flaws were just lack of experience. And I still remember uh, one day, uh, I was very dissatisfied with how I talked. And in fact, uh, 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 the person I was working with to help me a little bit develop uh, my speaking ability said, well, first of all, you just have to listen to everything that you say. And so I remember the first few talks that I did uh, they tape recorded them and I had to listen to them. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, I could find nothing good in them, right? <laughs> it was like the joke wasn't funny enough and the, I said, uh, too much. And I, you know, there were words that I didn't explain what they meant. And I, I really focused in on everything wrong with it and could see very little that was good with it. What I did was, or what I recognized though, was that a lot of this was lack of confidence and experience. And so in my best science of mind fashion, I decided I'm gonna make a compact with God. I'm gonna make a bargain, if you will, or a, um, a, a personal contract with God. And I said, God, I will work my hardest at making my talks better and improving my technique if you will bring me the opportunity to speak. And that'll, that'll be our bargain. You bring me lots of opportunities to speak, I will do my best, I will improve. And I gotta tell you, within a week, six different people had asked me to speak, outside of the church even, 
in a way totally that just kind of blew me away. And what I realized was because I was putting my attention on it, right? I was putting my desire out there to be that public speaker. And I built that mental equivalent of what a good public speaker, especially a spiritual one was, right? That it was lighthearted and playful at the same time, hitting home in some levels of inspiration and things that were important. I recognized right off the bat that what what lit me up when other people talked was their own experience of God and their only their own ability to uh, to, to not just talk about things in terms of theory, but what really happened for them. And even as I was doing that, of course, what was I doing? I was building that equivalent. I was developing the best me in my mind's eye. Totally what Pam Grout calls this superhero principle. I was building in my own mind how I would be when I was a really good public speaker and minister. Those are the steps. If we want abracadabra in our own lives in terms of us as individuals, this is how you do it. Once again, you build that idea of what you would be like when. When you're the most loving mother, what would you be like? When you're the, the, the best entrepreneur, what would you be like? When you're the best public speaker, what would you be like? And you begin literally writing down the characteristics that you're going to choose to have in your life. Once you've defined it to some level of granularity, then you simply begin, as we talked about last week, taking steps in that direction. Would this course of action take me closer to being that ideal public speaker or further away from it? Would this course of action take me closer to being an entrepreneur uh, or would it take it me further away from it? It's simply it's simply directing yourself in the area that you want to go and having that vision of what the end point is. You can become that superhero. Whatever superpowers, whether it's extra love or charisma, whether it's the ability to speak really well or be really clever in an engineering way, it may take some classes, it may take some practice. You may have to have your own compact with God to get you there like I did. That's okay. The main idea, though, is what do you want to be? What superpowers do you want to develop? Define them and begin taking steps in that direction. The next principle that we're going to be talking about today, um, I enjoy a lot because it gets me out of my head. Um, Are any of the folks here members of Thinkers Anonymous? (laughs) Do you know... (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what I maybe I maybe I need to explain it a little bit more because it isn't actually a formal a formal 12 step program but do you ever find yourself just thinking yourself into a dreadful tizzy for no reason at all Okay. All right. Okay. Now we're all raising our hand. Oh, good. I'm not alone on the planet. Well, the next spiritual principle we're going to talk about is the Dear Abby principle. And, uh, and I guess the best place to start would be a joke uh, about Dear Abby, right? All right. So Dear Abby, I've never written to you before, but I really need your advice on what could be a critical decision in my life. I've suspected for some time now that my wife has been cheating on me. Some of the usual signs, the phone rings, but if I answer, the caller hangs up. And also, my wife is going out with the girls a lot recently. Although, when I ask for their names, she says, oh, just some friends at work. You don't know them. Sometimes, I stay awake at night to look for her cab coming home. But you know what? She always comes walking up the drive as though let off by someone around the corner. 
Maybe it's not a taxi. Anyway, Abby, last night she went out again, and I decided to check up on her. I decided I would park my Harley-Davidson lowrider next to the garage, and then I'd hide behind it so I could get a good view of the street when she came in. Now, it was at that moment, crouching behind my motorcycle, that I noticed an amount of motor oil leaking through the gasket by the rocker arm cover. So, Abby, I really need your help. Is this something I can easily repair myself, or do you think I should take it back to the dealer? You didn't see that one coming, did you? (laughs) Isn't that a terrible joke? Oh, my gosh. Oh, well, I thought it was funny, though. So, so the Dear Abby principle, what is the Dear Abby principle? It simply is that like writing in to that famous columnist that has even existed beyond her death, right? Because it isn't Abby anymore. I think it's Abby's daughter or someone else. So there is an eternal source out there of all of the information, all of the wisdom, all of the good advice that you could ever want or need or have, all you have to do is ask. Now the theory here is that the universe is like a holograph, that any one part of the universe actually has all of the components necessary to recreate the entire universe. And so so all of the answers, all of the information, all of the, the truths, whether they be past, present, or future, all the wisdom, if you will, of the universe exists. And because of our ability to connect in with our higher power, It exists for us right here and right now that there's nothing, no barrier in between. Well, actually, I'm fibbing a little bit because there is a barrier in between. Can you guess what it is? Remember our 12-step program (laughs) for Thinkers Anonymous? Yeah, believe it or not, it's our own rational mind. That is, do we know how the rational mind developed? It developed in in two different ways. That that part of our, our brain that we think of as the rational self developed for two purposes. One, for pattern matching and safety so that we could instantly, very quickly, see that something is falling into a pattern that represents danger to us, and then we can get out of the way, or we can fight, or we can do what we need to do. And the best example of this, we do it every day, right? We're, we're outside, and we're going to cross in a crosswalk. We look down, and our visual and mental pattern uh, recognition says, oh my gosh, there's a car coming my way, even though the walk signal is going. And immediately, we back up, back up on the curve where it's safe. We don't hardly even have to think of it. Our rational mind in engages just like that. We see the pattern, the car is coming, here's the sidewalk, doesn't matter that we have the right of way or not. We don't have to think about it a lot. It's almost instant. That's our rational mind doing pattern recognition at a really fast rate, and we do it all the time. The trouble with this is it will produce the same results every time. Now, in the case of a safety issue and pattern recognition, that's good. It's good that every single time you get out of the street, you know what I mean? That's a good thing. But our rational brain also leads us into the same uh, outcomes in other areas in our lives every single time. So if we're having a fight with a loved one that in the past has ended poorly, we see the same pattern, right? You call her a name or you know, she implies you're stupid or whatever it is, and every single time we see that pattern, 
right? And although we would like maybe to do something different this time, we're inextricably led right back into starting the argument or, or name calling or whatever it is that is our, our habit. And our brain is actually wired to support those patterns through that same pattern recognition system. So very often, if we want a different outcome, now again, a lot of times we want the same outcome, right? We've maybe had a, a good experience living in a certain way, and why wouldn't we want to follow through with that? No problem. But if we approach an area that we want to see different results with our intellectual mind, probably actually not going to happen. In fact, let me try something on for a size for you. Have you ever really engaged your rational thinking self to embark upon something that's brand new? Let's say that maybe you're questioning whether you want to move to California or not. Just something kind of out of the blue that you've never experienced. You've never lived in California before. It's been a long time since you've moved. So what does our rational brain do? Well, Let's do a list of pros and cons, right? You take a piece of paper and a line down it. Uh, what's positive about California? Well, the weather is better there. Oh, but there's a drought. So that goes on the con side, right? Oh, well, you know, we'd move into a lovely neighborhood, I don't know, Laguna Falls, or think of some place, <laughs> think of some place in California, and it would be a lovely retirement. And then over here, you'd write, Oh, but my gosh, the property taxes are higher there. So, right? It's, it's like almost thing for thing, you'd have a counteractive, right? And then you'd start thinking about, well, and if I move, what do I do with all my stuff? All the packing, and, and before long, your decision, what? It gets harder rather than easier. That initial urge of enjoying California in your retirement years or whatever it is has been blown away now with this complex decision tree of, well, if I can, if I can get a transfer and, you know, if I can find the house and, oh, but wait, it has to be a neighborhood with these characteristics and it just simply makes you crazy. The reason is your rational brain, your thinking brain, actually not designed to do that. What you're seeing is it's finding all these little patterns trying to look for danger to keep you safe. So the more you rationally analyzing something new, the more reasons you will actually find for not doing it. Because you'll uncover more patterns and, and more, uh, uh, excuse me, more sameness that would keep you safe. The more patterns you find, the more you'll be locked into doing the things the way you used to do them. So how do we get around this? Believe it or not, we actually want to engage our unconscious thinking patterns. We want to engage our, our heart center. Have you known someone that just said, well, I had a gut feeling about that. It just didn't seem right. And so, you know, I didn't go on that vacation and there was a flood. Or, or I didn't take that job and sure enough, look, the company went bankrupt. Or uh, just that inward sense that something's off kilter or not right. Or some of us have had quite the reverse. Uh, uh, some idea came our way that on the surface looked kind of stupid, but yet... Something about it, we just knew 
that it was the right thing for us to do or the right thing to invest in. Now this, I like to think of as us engaging our higher wisdom self. Not our rational brain, but our creative and intuitive self. The part of us that kind of knows something without it having to be proven to us through one of those long lists of pros and cons. And I want to use an example of it today because we can engage that part of our brain in a number of ways. We can do it through contemplation and meditation. We can engage in it by strengthening our intuition and those gut feelings that we have. But the other thing that I think is kind of fun, back to the holographic universe, is the idea that any part of the universe has actual wisdom and something to say about any other part of it. And have any of you familiar with the, the exercise where someone says a word and you say the first thing that pops into your mind, that idea of word association? Well, this is very similar, only it works with objects. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you how this works. First, you need to have a topic that you want more information about. And I'm gonna own up to something a little embarrassing. For those of you who really pay attention, you know that one of my New Year's intentions was to exercise more. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so cute sometimes. <laughs> but, but what I do know is that the universe has more information for me about this subject. And maybe it will help me because I just have not had the commitment and the follow through in doing it. So let's see what the universe can come up with to help me with this idea of exercise. Oh, and by the way, this isn't my trash. It is uh, literally some things I got out of our uh, lost and found over there. These aren't even, well, in fact, if you recognize these, uh, see, see me after the service, and I'll, I'll return them to you. But really, you can just get a, a bag of totally random objects. It works just fine. Okay, so what does an umbrella tell me about exercise? Well, first of all, it tells me that it's something I should do no matter what, that whether it's raining, whether it's sunny, you know, this is a habit I need to get into, not waiting for the right time, not waiting for some auspicious moment in time when the stars will be aligned and I'll, I'll have the perfect spandex outfit. And I mean, I, I mean, I just need to do it. I just need to do it. All right. The other thing, though, that it tells me is, uh, you know what? If you were born in Oregon, these are sort of useless. Right? The wind blows them inside and out. They start getting holes in them. The other thing that this tells me is I just need to do it. It's not about uh, a safety of, you know, uh, uh, you know, doing it when the weather's a certain way or not. It's, it's like, no, it's like plunge in, do it. Who cares what the weather's doing? All right, let's try. June, would you mind pulling out something else here? Oh, what is it? <laughs> is it a wash rag? Well, let's say it's a wash rag I don't, or a cleaning cloth. I don't know. Well, a couple things this tells me. First off, I noticed that it's woven. It's not, a, it's not like a manufactured material in the usual sense. And the, and the weaving reminds me or it invites me to think maybe I shouldn't try to do this by myself that the different strands in here, you know, represent different things and different people. Maybe I've been concentrating on some kind of a personal program that didn't involve other people. What if I like had a running buddy 
Or what if someone else was in it with me in the terms of, uh, of being bound up like this cloth is bound up? What if I was willing to maybe uh, have a class with someone so that there was some uh, impetus to be there, right? My friend would say, why weren't you there on Tuesday? We missed you kind of thing. So the idea of, uh, of something being woven into the fabric of, of my life with other people is kind of appealing. That might be an incentive for me. Uh, the other thing I notice is uh, it's a workout. There's holes in this, it's dirty. It's like I need to be prepared for this, not to just be a pristine little 10 minute thing and I wipe my hands and I'm done. I probably, you know, I mean, literally I'll get dirty, certainly, uh, but I need to be ready to say this is a, a part of my life that's important and, and it's worth the, the dirtiness, it's worth the effort. Um, would someone else maybe help me with one? We'll just do one more here. A staple puller, all right. <laughs> How interesting. Well, one thing that a staple puller tells me is, you know, this is something that was designed to be only good at one thing. If you have ever tried to use a staple puller for anything other than pulling a staple, you will discover that it's sort of useless. And so I think what this is trying to tell me is I need to be single-minded in my approach here, that if I really desire better health, that if I really desire to have a contribution to my body temple to move me forward, I shouldn't be distracted. I should move forward with the same single-minded attention that a staple puller is, not, not be pulled aside and turn it into a coffee clutch or a, we'll go exercise and then we'll have a brunch afterwards, <laughs> right? Because that could be me. That could be me pretty easily. This is reminding me that no, this, this is something purposeful that I'm doing for my own life, for my own uh, betterment. And, and that to focus in on the thing, not let it be something else. Do you see how this works? Do you see how if I would have sat down this morning and instead, if I would have engaged my logical mind, first of all, I'd still be working on the pro and con list, right? Well, the cons are, where would I find something in my schedule to figure out a time? And what do I like doing in terms of exercise, which isn't all that much? <laughs> and so on and so forth. It would be a dismal exercise. It would be like setting a New Year's intention that would never be fulfilled. I'm already kind of excited about this. What I know is I'm going to seek out uh, some, some other people uh, uh, and we're going to do something together so that there's some accountability and some interest in being there. Uh, and it's going to be like a commitment. It's going to be a, a, a single and unified focus. Do you see how I'm already building a mental picture of me doing it? And, and did you notice I actually lit up a little? I got to tell you, this is the first time I've been smiling and animated talking about <laughs> exercise. Maybe ever. <laughs> so this is a good thing. This is me engaging my intuition. This is me thinking outside of the box. Now, if you do this yourself, what I recommend is actually having someone tape record it or make notes for you. Because if you do the note taking, you're going to immediately, right, your rational mind's going to kick in 
and start editing for you. It's going to say, oh, but wait, Larry, you don't have any of the right clothes to go bicycle riding. Oh, wait, Larry, your bicycle doesn't even have a tire that isn't flat. Oh, wait, Larry. So the idea is, no, put your, put your brainstorming, your, your best creative energy into it, and that will actually carry you along. It'll get you jazzed about it, and you'll blow right through all of those obstacles later instead of focusing in on it, instead of allowing them to bring you down and dissuade you from what it is that you want to do. So there are many paths to this other kind of wisdom. And I want to summarize simply by saying, when do we use our rational mind? We use it if we want to successfully do something again. If we've already done something successfully and we like how it worked, we like how it carried off, our intellectual and thinking brain, really useful. It will see the patterns, it will see the similarities of what we've successfully done in the past, and using the past, it will orient us towards the future, and we will have a very similar outcome. That's what saves us from the uncoming train. If uh, maybe we've never been in a train before, right? But we have been in the path of a car before. So our rational brain says, oh, a train isn't that much different than a car. I still better jump out of the way. So that's how our rational brain approaches a new problem. It looks for the similarities, but it will always guide us into a repeat performance. And when the performance before was a good one, our rational brain, really useful. But if it's something entirely new, or if you want a different outcome, don't engage your rational mind. Don't uh, trap yourself in those futile exercises of pros and cons and laying awake at night going over all the possibilities of what might happen or what could happen or what happened to someone you know or, or what you saw on the internet about it. Instead, engage your creativity, engage your inner wisdom sense, engage your heart. Some people say it resides in their heart. Some people say they can feel it in their stomach when they're being guided into something that's important or useful. But whatever it is, try this week to start noticing the difference between when you're engaging your rational or your thinking self and instead you're feeling an intuitive self. And can you, if you would, begin noticing if you're using it for the right purposes? So that's a little bit of your homework, but I'm gonna close with an official homework assignment right out of the book. And this is another way that we can harness this Dear Abby approach. This is uh, Pam Grout uh, as, as the Dear Abby chapter is winding down. She says, I invite you to choose an issue that is troubling you, something that has a yes or a no answer, something on which you're really confused and you're not sure what to do. She says, I know you're thinking of something right now, most likely, and it doesn't matter what it is. Whatever the issue is will work. Then she says, look at your watch. Ask for a clear, non-debatable answer and ask for it to show up in the next 48 hours. It might show up immediately, it might take a day, but know that within 48 hours, you will have a clear neon sign of an answer. It's your job to set the intention and the time frame. The field of possibilities will do the rest. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence. There is one, one life, this one thing I call God. 
Pam Grout calls it the field of possibilities. Whatever it's known by, though, I know it's here both to love and to serve. It is that, that closeness that we feel with our fellows. It is that closeness that we feel to our higher power. And it is that connection to the wisdom of all time that we can be drawn. And I know that means me. I know that as I look inwardly, I can find the answers to all my questions. Just like that metaphysical dear Abby, the highest and best solutions to all my problems, the, the most creative ideas that exist in the universe are there for me if I but ask the question and am open to the newness of a new kind of answer. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room. Each person here has that willingness as they desire something new to have new ways of thinking about it. That as each person here is uh, presented with uh, new opportunities or new decisions that we can begin thinking of when our rational thoughts are useful and instead when our irrational or our intuitive thoughts are perhaps even more useful. It comes with practice. And so I simply put out there that there may be a willingness for each one of us to practice these two different kinds of thinking, recognizing them for what they are useful and what they are not. And so I simply am grateful for this, uh, this new information. I'm grateful, of course, for the E-squared book and the, the information it's providing us. I'm grateful to be in the power and the presence of God each day and each minute. And so I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. So thank you for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.